0: Well, it's good to gather again. Uh, if you uh, have your Bible and you want to follow along with where we're going to be today, we're going to spend most of our time, probably all of, uh, all of our Bible time, in Romans chapter 8. So I'm, I'm going to do my best not to jump around on you. You can just sort of hold your finger on that, and, and you, will, you will be good. But if, if you haven't been here for the last few weeks, uh, let's, let's talk about the series that we're in. We're in the series called Habits because you and I, uh, we have something in common. We want to build in our lives uh, decisions and patterns of behavior that, that are good for us and good for others that are that are honoring to God, but like you, I and everybody else in this room find in ourselves this, this while the desire is there, while the heart is willing, the flesh is weak, and sometimes we just fall apart on our habits. Uh, as the new year rolls around, uh, everybody makes New Year's resolutions, and then studies have been done, very pessimistic sounding studies, but they they... Or what they are, uh, that ninety four or ninety six percent I think it's ninety four percent of all Americans have bailed on their New Year's resolutions by January twenty first, which was a week and some change ago. So if you were continuing with your resolution, you're basically our gladiator. We're we're hoping the best for you. You are our champion going out into battle to you know uh, lose the weight or to stop the cussing or whatever your resolutions are. Right, uh, good good on you. But if you're like the other ninety four percent of us in here, there's a. Sense of like I've let myself down, and when we when we kind of incorporate that, when when we let ourselves down enough, we tend to just give up. And what we want to do is instead of just writing the same pattern over and over again, I made a plan, I failed the plan, I made a plan, I failed the plan. So I, what did I do? I made the plan, and then I failed the plan, and then I'm done making plans. I'm not going through this hoop, loop, loop over and over again. Uh, instead of us just feeling defeated. What, what I, what I want to do with this series is just look at scripture about what, what does it say about patterns? What does it say about choices to do and to choices to remove from our lives? Like, why is that so? Difficult, And so we've we begun with this phrase, if you want habits that stick, there, there are a couple of rules that we've unpacked already. We're on week three, so we'll go over the first two rules right here. If you want habits that stick, the first thing that we need to do is that we need to settle the who before we talk about the do. Because too often our habits are just action items, uh, but we forget who we are in the process. You are not a sum total of all your successes, nor are you a sum total of all your failures. That's not who you are. Are. You may have a stack of successes and a stack of failures. You may you may be business-wise a success, but you're not your job title. You are not your failure. You are not your deepest regret, and you are not your greatest accomplishment. That's not who you are, because you are, in fact, who God says you are. And who God says you are is that you're an adopted son or daughter of his if you've confessed the name of Jesus. And so we looked at Romans 8 then uh, on week 1, and we'll look at it again here in a moment. But it says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so before we even begin talking about things we want to stop doing and things we want to start doing, we just need to understand that win or lose at the pattern, win or lose at the plan, it doesn't change who you are. You've done nothing in your life to make God more angry at you, and you've done nothing in your life to make God more in love with you. You you don't have that power. And so, and so we, when we understand the who, that we're deeply, uh, passionately loved by our Creator, Jesus, we love you. Why? Because he first loved us, is what scripture says. He has loved you with an intense passion that, that included him stepping down from heaven, the glory of heaven. Read Philippians 2. He steps down from all of heaven. He leaves it all behind, and he becomes a servant that is willing to go down across. Why? Because he actually, he actually loves you, and he knows you. He knows all of your failures. He knows all of your successes, every bit of it, 100% of it, and he really loves you. Who are you? Let's settle the who before we talk about the do. Who you are is a loved child, a loved son, and loved daughter of God. You are who God says that you are. Then last week, week two, um, we started looking at these, th- th- why is it that that there's there's these things that I want to do, and these things that I end up doing instead, and it's always at odds with each other. Every time I try to do good, like bad, it's like, hey, you, have you thought about doing that again? Oh, I haven't. Thank you for reminding me. And then you go and you do that, it's like, why did I do this again? And you, like our entire lives are this back and forth. And so last week, we looked at the difference between the works of the flesh and the the uh, fruit of the Spirit. And And what we said is that we need to stop the actions and behaviors that are actually working to imprison you. There there are things in this world, and you know what they are, because why? The works of the flesh are evident, we said last week. Uh, the works of the flesh are evident. So there are things in this world that they're dressed up real nice and they say, hey, I promise you, you get this car and you get this one credit card and you 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 go to this place, you are going to be more free than you've ever been. And then you get there and you find out like, no, there's debt and like the car, like it, 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 the engine doesn't run. That, that things in this world are really, there's a lot trying to imprison you, even though it's dressed up as freedom. And what we see uh, with a lot of uh, critiques of Christianity, and maybe this was you or you know people who say this, is that your God, he's trying to take all the fun out of my life. All the things I enjoy doing, it seems to be that's the exact list he says I need to stop doing. We, We hear people say that God is trying to remove freedom from us, but what scripture says is it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. That those things that you're describing that God is trying to take away from you, it's because they will imprison you. They'll take you farther than you want to go, and they'll charge you more than you intended to pay, because that's just what they do. It's imprisonment, it's bondage, and it's painful. It's for freedom Christ has set us free. And so so we need to stop the actions and behaviors that are trying to imprison us. Why? Because God is calling you and me and our church to real, genuine freedom that you can taste, that you walk with your head high. There's There's no guilt in that freedom. You try a thing, a pattern, a life, and it, 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 you, don't, you don't lose the weight you plan to do, and you just you keep holding your head up. Why? Because it's for freedom Christ has set us free. It's real freedom to trust Jesus over your actions and your input, output. What I want to talk about today is this word momentum. I like this word momentum. This, this third step is that we need to get momentum moving towards life, towards life, as opposed to what's the opposite of life? Death. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, hard, hard math happening here. Uh, but we need, we need our momentum, our life decisions to be, to be moving towards life. And changing your direction will change your momentum. Okay, so this idea of momentum—it's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's tricky, but but you understand it inherently. Uh, we we uh, uh, my my son is on a basketball team, little dribblers basketball team, and so like top scores in these games are like twenty points. Okay, we're not LeBron James out there. You know what I'm saying? And and there was uh, in in going into the second period yesterday, there was uh, I think it was about a ten point spread, eight or ten point spread, and then over that second period, the the, the we went into halftime, the game tied. The other team didn't score and our team like caught up and tied them. Why? Because once momentum got on their side, they they had more confidence. Every sports analysis knows that they they started making the shots. They started dribbling better. The passes were sharper. The momentum was on their side. And if you're a coach on the other team, how do you want, what do you need to do right now? You call a timeout because why? You need to, you need to interrupt the momentum if you're, if you're in the Super Bowl, right, uh, and, and it's down to the field goal kicker, he's got to kick, uh, and he's going to be warming up. You can tell, like, they're just getting in position. They're trying to get the ball center on the field, and, and it's in perfect field goal range. This guy, 100% at 30 yards, uh, it's going to go in, but he's warming up his leg on the sidelines, right? He gets all the way out there. The, the play clock is doing its thing. They're, they're getting ready to snap the ball. What does the opposing team do? Timeout. you got to stop that momentum. That dude's leg is hot right now. And so they got three timeouts. They're going to burn all three timeouts trying to ice his leg. Why? Because they want to stop the momentum. When when you're at uh, at work tomorrow and you're just in the zone, I, I, I like the word zone. Uh, you're in the zone. You're working and and you have like laser focus. This is one of the the superpowers of, of I have I have a lot of deficits with ADHD, but one of the superpowers of ADHD is that when I get focused, it is like crazy, like tunnel vision focus. Uh, you will get focused and inevitably somebody will walk in, right? And they'll they'll say, "Hey, uh, did you bring lunch today? What do you want to do for lunch?" And it's like. I was in the zone, man. I've lost all my momentum. Like what do I do now? They've done studies by the way that one interruption, like we're talking two sentences of an interruption is 30 minutes of lost time because you've got to like get all your thoughts back in order. And then and then process it. This past Wednesday, uh I found myself in Lumberton uh at this uh coffee shop, a little plug for a coffee shop in Lumberton called Eclectic Coffee. It's really delicious stuff. Uh and I was working on this message. Now, this message didn't like fall out of my head really easy. I've I've i I've, I've, rewritten it several times. Uh, and I'm, I'm in this mode I'm, i have a, a cup of coffee and I, I'm just staring into the distance and I don't know what people saw. I don't even know how long I was doing it, but I'm just staring out there. And then somebody walks by and she's like, Washington it. It was like, look at him really focused. <laughs> and then walked away. I lost everything. I have no idea. Like I didn't write it down. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think that might've been my best sermon right there, but I lost it. Why? Because I lost, I lost my momentum Newton uh, has uh, his laws of motion, and uh, at the expense of possibly putting some of you to sleep, I want to look at the, the first law of motion. It says this, an object at rest stays at rest, and an object in motion stays in motion with the same speed and in the same direction, unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. You're in the zone, everything's going in the right motion, and then an unbalanced force comes like, oh, they said something, it knocks you off balance. I learned this uh, physics lesson in 10th grade. I took physics in 10th grade, but I didn't learn it in the class. Uh, I learned it because after football practice, we're all hanging out, and uh, I'm sitting on the hood of a truck, and they crank it, and they said, I'm going to go, and I'm like, yeah, right, you're not going to go while I'm on it, and they went while I was on it. And so I'm sitting on the hood of a truck, and we're, we're like picking up speed a little bit, right? And we're like somewhere around 20 miles per hour, and I'm a genius in 10th grade, and so I think 20 miles per hour isn't much. And, uh, and so I decided I need to get off this truck before it gets up around 40, because I feel like that's a little more dangerous. And so uh, I I leapt from a moving truck moving at 20 miles per hour. And uh, did you, would you believe that I landed feet first and I just stopped right there? No, uh, that's not how it happened. Uh, because objects in motion tend to stay in motion and objects, it it was speed, they move in the same speed in the same direction. And so I landed feet first and my face went face first and I went into the ditch, did a tumble roll and everybody thought it was hilarious. And I learned some of Newton's laws that day. Uh, when you're, when you're getting into momentum, uh, things, things start happening faster and quicker and more simply. And the only thing that knocks you off momentum is unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. I want to talk to you today about like spiritual momentum. Um, there's some, some people that you know that they've been following the Lord so long, it seems like it comes so easy to them. It's like second nature. They have like this strength and this faith that, that you don't even begin to understand. Like, how do you even see the world that way? Well, part of the reason is because they've built up momentum of following the Lord. Well, how, how do you, how do you do that? Because, because some of us are the opposite, right? Some of us are, we've been, we've been moving in the wrong direction so long and so fast that it's like heading straight to destruction. You're like, what am I going to do? Uh, because I'm going to keep moving in the same direction at the same speed and the same velocity. What, what am I going to do? Well, you need an unbalanced force to interact with you. You need, you need that moment where, uh, all, so, something that the Lord was telling you just like, Pops in your head, it's like what? It's an unbalanced. It like knocks you off your your game. You you need you need to start building a history of following the Lord. And, and here's the great news. Before before we go any deeper, um, we're all at like different levels of where we want to be spiritually. Um, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't take much to get momentum going in the right direction. It takes a little bit of effort, a little bit of an unbalanced force. You take one step of faithfulness, and you know what? The second step's going to be a lot easier. You take that second step of faithfulness, the third, fourth, and fifth steps. You're just like stumbling into it, like a newborn baby learning to walk. You're like that giraffe, like, and then you take off. And that giraffe knows how to run instantly, but it's step, 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 step momentum. You, you, you want to grow spiritually this morning, or part of your resolution, part of your plan is to grow spiritually. Um, I'm going to, to make the case, uh, from Paul here in just a moment, that you just, you take one step. You celebrate it. That's a step towards life and away from death. Uh, you take another step. And then, and then in a couple of weeks, you're kind of moving along, and, and, and somebody's like, Hey, you're doing great. How how are you doing? That's like, I'm just, I'm just trucking along, just kind of keeping up with the Lord. And you get the church, you get your small group, you get your community group, and we're, we're pushing each other in, in the same direction. We make the mistake, though, when we look at our lives and we say, You know what I want to be? I want to be like Mr. So-and-so. Uh, Mr. So-and-so's faith is like, it's like on fire. I want to be like that. And you can't imagine, how do I get from this position to this position? Well, the, the answer is that Mr. So-and-so at some point was in your position and took one step and then took another. All, all that's left is to start. Let's look at Romans uh, 8. I'm going to repeat uh, because the first uh, week of this, we did the first five verses of Romans 8 as we ended. I want to begin with that because it sets us up for where we're at today. I want to remind you, the guy who wrote this, his name is Paul. Uh, Paul is—he's he, going to write everything that we read in this series, uh, and Paul is writing to uh, a group of people in Rome. And Paul is like in philosopher mode, and so it's a lot about the mind today. Um, I'm going to to take some of the philosophy stuff and try to try to bring it down, uh, but th- that's that's where he's at. And so, beginning in verse one, we see that verse we mentioned earlier. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's great news. If, if you're in Christ Jesus, no matter what you feel, no matter what, what failures, if you feel like you're letting yourself down, if you if you have a sense of condemnation, that's a lie uh, because it's impossible. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit... of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Why is, why is it the case that there's no condemnation? Because the law of the spirit of life has, in fact, set you free from the law of, of sin and death. Remember what we said last week is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Like you're, you're really set free. That's why condemnation isn't yours. How, how, uh, how, how is this even possible? Verse three. For God has done, who did it? God. A lot, of, a lot of us, we get beat down and we feel kind of run down because we feel like it's up to us. We feel like we've let God down. Well, you weren't holding God up, so you can't let him down. That's a good line. It's the opening line of the song, Jairus. Stole it straight from Maverick City. It's a, great, it's a great line. It's not up to us to do this. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. He didn't condemn us. He condemned sin in the flesh of a son in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. He, he condemns sin in the flesh of Jesus so that you and I can hold our heads up and begin to walk as if we gained righteousness. We didn't gain it. We were just given it. Uh, I said last week, I wish I thought of this. This is just an aside. If you were here last week, like pretend I said it last week. But uh, Paul was making the argument that the works of the flesh, what you need to do to them, isn't just sneak up on them and put them in a sleeper hole. What does he say you need to do to them? You need to crucify them, is what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, Jesus took on sin, and God crucified him. Like it's, it's the exact same thing. Uh, and because Jesus willingly was crucified, and he took the condemnation of sin onto him, he hands us freely the, the righteousness that we get to walk in. Okay, so that was all repeat. Let's get to where we are right now. Hang with me, verse 5. He says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now, this isn't, this isn't hard math. You know this. Um, you've got somebody in your family that they've been kind of, you know, rough for a while. And you remember like a season where they were kind of normal, but they haven't been normal for a while. Uh, and they're rough and their mind is set on the flesh and they're just like, their mind is like the settings is like, uh, spirit flesh and like the switches on flesh. And they just, they, they, they've stopped caring. There, it seems to be that there's no like left hope for them, but people with their minds set on the spirit, he says, uh, are, uh, where, where was it? Verse five. Things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. And so those of us who have like our, our minds and our hearts set on, to, to pursue the spirit, um, we, we have life. This is verse six. For, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit, uh, to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so what, what Paul is, is kind of making the statement of is, uh, for for the believer there, there are kind of two modes that, that we have access to uh, the to pursue the spirit is at odds with pursuing the flesh he said this uh, in week one when we read Romans 7 why is it that I do the things that I don't want to do I find in myself this this desire to do right and yet I keep stumbling into evil Why? because every time I go one direction it's at odds with the other direction um, in Romans uh, excuse me in Galatians 5 last week we, we kind of saw him say the same argument that that the spirit is at odds with the flesh. And, and we're either cultivating the works of the flesh or we're crucifying the works of the flesh, but there's no in between. What, what Paul is making an argument for every time we've brought this up is that you and I who try to do like, I'm going to be like 50% whatever I want to do and 50% what I think God's wanting me to do, find failure every time because it's they're at odds with each other. It's like taking a magnet Right? And and you got like the north end and the north end of the magnet, and you put them together, what do they do? They repel each other. They they can't exist in in us. You you weren't designed to be able to manage that pressure. And so what he says is that for those of us who our minds are set on the flesh, like there's there's a lot of death. There's a lot of destruction. There's a lot of broken relationships when we're thinking about ourselves and we're caring about our own passions and our own desires. For those of us who are pursuing the spirit and we're chasing after the spirit, we have that momentum moving towards the spirit. What we find is like there's life and there's peace. Oh my gosh, peace. Would you imagine what this world would look like if we had just more peace in our relationships with each other? What what if the newscaster got on tomorrow and was like, hey, Guys, it's been such a great week. Like, you wouldn't even believe. Like, the Democrats and the Republicans high-fived each other. It was crazy. Uh, you, you know, like, you remember that one guy that, like, we didn't want to vote in, uh, to, to City Hall? You know what? Uh, we changed your mind. He was a great guy. Uh, like, what if, what if, what if there was, like, real peace, um, in our interactions with each other? What, what if, what if our workplace was marked less by someone trying to climb the corporate ladder and step on you on the process and more like, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm cheering for you. Uh, I know you're going for the same promotion I'm going for, but hey, I don't know why I clapped. Uh, good, good, <laughs> good on you. Uh, I, I, ho- I hope the best for you. See, when we, when we pursue the flesh and our momentum is pursued to the flesh, the flesh is singular. It's one, it's me. I care about what I want. I care about how you wronged me and how I'm going to get even with you. I care about my justice. I care about my passions. Me, 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 and if you cross me, you have to deal with my anger, you have to deal with my frustration, you have to, and, and there's no life in that. It will let you down. You will never find enough justice to fix that Facebook argument you've been in for the last three months. It, it just doesn't exist. Um, but if our mind is set on the Spirit, we have life and Peace. I want to look at verse seven again, if it's still behind me. Uh, it says, "For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law." That word "submit" is a scary word, isn't it? It's a for Americans. It's, I don't. I, I lead. I run. I win. I don't submit. Paul Paul is saying that the the mind that is like set on flesh mode that it's full on, it's all about me, I've got to to earn what I'm going to get, I've got to prove to God all that I have. It's hostile towards God because it can't submit to God. The Christian belief set is this. You couldn't earn it if you tried. And all of your efforts to try to earn God's love and acceptance are futile will end in your destruction and you'll make terrible decisions along the way trying to earn God's acceptance. You'll look down on other people. You'll look down on yourself. Your self-esteem will go down. And, and, and what do we do? How do we, well, it's, it's the free gift of God. He, he hands us acceptance if you submit to him as Lord. See, the, the Christian message is that if we're going to win in this life, we submit to God. We submit to his way. We submit to his way of doing things. We submit to his solution to our problem. We we say, God, I, I submit to you. And and Paul says that the, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God because it can't submit to God's law. It's just running, trying to prove itself. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is why salvation is such a miracle. That moment, for those of you who, who, who have confessed Jesus as Lord, that moment where you, you bowed the knee or wherever you are, you're standing at Hot Hearts maybe, and it, it just became apparent to you. I can't do it on my own. Jesus saved me. That submission to God is a miracle in itself because the heart of flesh doesn't have the power to do that. That's why Paul says it's by grace we've been saved through faith, not of our own works, lest any man should boast. We we are given an amazing amount of grace, those of us who have confessed Jesus. Verse 9, he says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. What Paul wants to do in that verse is that he wants to make a distinction about who he's talking to. If you are not a follower of Jesus, you're, maybe you're in here and you're just like, hey, I'm testing this out and I have some questions, uh, but I really want my habits right. You're going to have a very difficult time getting momentum towards God without first submitting to him because it's just hard. But if you are a follower of the Lord, you have access to both gear sets in you submit to the flesh or submit to the Spirit. Let me let me take this out of philosophy, and I, I just want to say that there are a lot of different race cars you can buy uh, in in the world. I don't know, like any RC uh, people. I love a good RC car. Like uh, we have some people that go to our church that they have gasoline powered RC cars that can. I mean, they can fly. They scream going down the road. These things are high end. The controls are complicated. You have like a like a claw system to like hold the thing because you you have turns and you have lift and all kind of stuff. Um, that, that is an amazing RC car. Another RC car that you can get is at the dollar store. It's like $10. Um, these things are tons of fun because it goes forward, but it can't turn. There's no left and right on the thing. Do you know how you have to turn one of these cars? You know, you just don't want to say it. You have to go backwards, right? You go forwards. It kind of goes forward with a little lean to the right. Uh, always a little lean to the right for some reason. You can't actually drive in a straight line in these things, but it's straight ish. But if you're wanting to turn left, the only way you can turn left is to stop and put it in rewind, and it kind of backs up and does like a little half circle. And then you miss the turn that you were trying to go, and it kind of you do like a full circle, right? You back it all the way up, all the way around. What Paul is saying is like, if, if you are not a follower of Jesus, all you have is that RC car transmission, the, the one from the dollar store, um, and you're trying to run a racetrack. The racetrack has a left turn and a right turn and a left turn. And what you're doing is like you see all these cars zoom by you and it takes the left and it takes the right. It, it seems to have the controls able to do it, but you, you're running, and then you're like right when you get going in the right direction, you stop and you gotta like back up and you miss the turn and you kind of do a little U-turn. And eventually it's just like, man, somebody take the batteries out of this thing. Like this race is not happening, right? But but for Christians, we can we can roll with like our old gear set, our old like I just living by the flesh, I can do, do what I want, but we can choose to live by the Spirit. We can choose to take steps towards the Lord, and when we do, we, we get better access to our turns and our, 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 our adjustments to, to navigate the course. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him, but if Christ is in you... Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What he's saying is that you as a Christian, you want to make life choices that are are going in the direction that you want. You want to start building up momentum and you're like, I don't feel like I have enough power. He says that you have in you, Christian, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. you have any idea? I don't. Like, Is there like a, a measurement of power? I don't know. How much power does it take to resurrect a man three days later? I don't know. That's a, that's a pretty solid flex, right? And Paul's, Paul's argument is right here is like you actually do have the power to, to start building momentum towards following the Lord because you have access to the same source of power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead. So let's, let's take this out of the clouds and, and land it uh, and try to, like, okay, what do, you, what do I want you to do with this? We said last week that um, we, we need to crucify the works of the flesh. These are things that we want to stop doing. Those works of the flesh are evident. You know what they are. Everybody in here has a thing that they're like, I need to change in it myself. It's fine. I, we don't need a list of those things. But as I was working through that list, it seems to me that there were like three solid categories um, that were explained in, in Galatians 5. Uh, and I want to look at those categories because I think, I think if we, if we look at the three categories, we can probably, uh, think of things in our life that we can start to change our momentum in. And these are different, uh, areas of momentum you may want to consider. Uh, the three are passions and desires is one. Uh, uh, two is appetite and consumption. Uh, and three is, is surrender. Now, in the works of the flesh list, uh, there, there was, um, uh, anger and strife and enmity with each other. And so I, I would say that that would be like passions and desires. I'm going to get what's coming to me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, uh, make sure that, that I'm, I'm, uh, justified in, in this correction. But there, there's positive passions and desires as well. I mean, the word compassion even has the word passion in it. The word compassion means to, to, to suffer alongside somebody else. Um, one of the fruits, uh, or one, one, one aspect of the fruit of the spirit is is patience. Is in our in our um, in our passions and our desires, we can we can t- take steps towards uh, being right in the argument, or steps towards peace with these people. In in our passions and our desires to do what is right or to get what's mine, we can take steps towards uh, putting people in their place or lifting each other up. We we can take steps in our in our passions and our desires uh, and build momentum towards uh, I only look out for me and my people, or I'm going to have compassion and pay attention to the things that break my heart in other people in other situations. I don't think you can do both though. It's very difficult to find someone who's kind of a jerk uh, to their family and is really kind to their coworkers. Why? Because those two things are—it's the same area of momentum. Once you start going in one direction, it starts to permeate the rest of your relationships. Appetite and consumption. In the the works of the flesh that we read in Galatians, uh, they were dealing with like, uh, we looked at uh, alcoholism, drunkenness. We looked at uh, drug use. We looked at, um, uh, they had had a problem with pornography. And it's this idea that that there's all these these areas of consumption and appetite that they were feeding that were damaging and, and imprisoning them. Uh, but there are, there are things that you can have appetites for that would be, uh, uh, more to God's liking. Uh, there, there's, there's many times throughout scripture, the Bible is called the, the bread of life, right? And that, that, uh, give, give me this day, my daily bread is this idea that of God's blessings, that, that we would be satisfied, that our appetites and our consumption would be satisfied in what God is offering us rather than what we are pursuing. Uh many times in scripture drunkenness is counted as a sin, but then alcohol is used to, to point to blessings. You know, uh even Jesus turned water into wine. And so there's this there's this level in which it's not so much a problem with the substance, alcohol in this case, uh, but it's a problem with how we're using it, whether to fuel our own consumption and our own appetites, trying to satisfy the never-ending craving that, that turns into drunkenness and alcoholism, or we find that it becomes a blessing to other people. One of the aspects of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. When, when we learn to have self-control with, with, uh, with food and drink, when we learn to have have self-control and boundaries with people and relationships, um, we are taking steps of momentum towards, uh, the way of life. And the third is, is surrender. And in the, in the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, um, there was this, there was this one called impurity. And, and as, as we look at that, it's a sense of like when someone's like messed up so many times, they feel like I don't belong in church. Uh, I don't belong with God. And then they, they surrender. They give up. They're like, I, I I'm done. I'm done trying. I'm done. I'm done trying to prove that I'm good enough. And maybe, maybe you've been there. Uh, extreme versions of that into suicidal ideations and things where it's just, I can't, I just can't make it anymore. Uh, that, that, that is a very negative area of momentum and growth. But, but there's a positive side of surrender. When when we cry out to Jesus as Lord, it's a surrender of our lives and our rights to King Jesus. You're our Lord. You're my boss. I've made a mess of this life, and I'm surrendering to you. How are we doing? How are you doing? I don't need a, like, hey, I'm doing terrible. It's it's not a vote. Um, But how are you doing in these different areas of momentum? In these three areas of momentum, are you moving towards death and destruction Pain and sorrow, the flesh. Or in these three areas of momentum, are you moving towards life and peace, hope, towards the spirit? It's a, good, it's a good measuring stick to see how we're doing. And what Paul is making the argument for is, you, Christian, have access to take one step of obedience towards Christ. Today, right now. You can. You may not know where it's going to end, but you can take one step. You know what happens after that first step? Second step's a whole lot easier. You'll take two or three. Before you know it, you got a nice little trot going. People are looking at you. They're clapping. Someone's handing you a little cup of water. you got a marathon happening. You're training. You're moving in the right direction. It starts to pick up steam. And before you know it, a year will pass. A little time will pass. And you'll look back. You'll see a video of yourself. And you're like, what was I thinking? I'm nowhere near that person that I was. I used to look just like him. I used to look just like that person right there. I used to act just like that person. I don't even think like that person anymore. Why? How is that possible? Because the, the mind that is set on the spirit is so far removed from the mind that is set on the flesh that as momentum picks up, uh, it takes off. Romans uh, 8.12 says "The So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For you live, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. Remember what he said before. You crucify the works of the flesh. But all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. That's not what God is about. God's not trying to enslave you. To to a different kind of bondage. You didn't receive the spirit of slavery. God, God doesn't want to leave you in your flesh to where you get into the bondage that you create for yourself, the prison that you invent. No, it's not a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba Father. You know, before before Jesus said, Hey, when we pray, we call him Father, that was foreign. It's not, it's, you don't call God father he's not your dad he's like he's he he can he maybe a little bit mean or something but because of Jesus they saw he we can call him daddy abba means daddy in aramaic it's it's a it's an a term, it's like one of the first words an infant learns after mama is daddy be why? because dad is strong and he protects us and we have received as sons and daughters of our king the ability to call out to him like dad i'm struggling here man I've got I've got some pains here, Dad. Will you listen to me? And Dad listens every time. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. As you pursue uh, a life in the Spirit, as you make decisions to build momentum towards Him, uh, the Spirit will uh, confirm in you that this is true—that you really are a child of His. And if you are a child, verse seventeen, and if children, then heirs. You, you have an inheritance with him, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. To take steps away from flesh and towards the spirit will involve a little bit of suffering, a little bit of pain. People are going to look down on you. Why, why are you acting all uppity? Why are you acting like you're better than us? It, it, it's, it, it, there's some pain towards it. But as you build up momentum, you're going to have life. So while we may suffer with him a bit, we're also going to be glorified with him, and your life will start to reflect him better and more clearly. In closing, if you can put up that last phrase, Dave. In closing, I I want to argue with you uh, that building a life with momentum towards Christ— Will do two things, two significant things. Building a life with momentum towards Christ will one carry you to the best parts of your life, parts of your life that you've never dreamed. The, the idea that I would be on stage even sharing the gospel is like, pfft, like, ask somebody who knew me fifteen years ago, like, yeah, that's that's never going to happen. Uh, the, the the truth is is that when you follow Christ, his his plan, and a, as you pursue him, is your life is just going to look different than what you've dreamed it could look. You follow him, uh, he's going to take you to the best parts of your life, and that momentum is going to sustain you through the worst parts of your life. Everybody in here is one phone call away from having one of the worst moments of your life. Your one your one mention, your one uh, traffic incident, like, honestly, the number of times, and you know, like, we, we've all lived enough life to know, yeah, it, it can come. How do you get through that? You have a momentum of chasing the Lord and following him, and it will propel you all the way through that. It will propel you through the worst times of your life. You still get to go through the worst times of your life, but though we may suffer with Christ, we will also be glorified with him because that is the promise. The promise is not Christian will never have suffering. The promise is that we make it through. Let me pray for you, uh, and then we will watch the cue. Is there a cue, I believe? Yeah, we'll, we'll watch the cue together, and you'll be dismissed. Uh, Father God, we come to you. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that, that we, don't, we don't come to you as um, distant worshipers of an unknown God uh, trying to appease you with sacrifice and, and pain and misery. Uh, Lord, we come to you because you've adopted us as your son and your daughter. We come to you um, as your children and, and thank you uh, that we can cry out to you as dad and, and ask for help. Lord, help us in our weakness as we try to turn away from, uh, this, this mind set on the flesh. Help us to turn towards you. Help us in your spirit, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, could you help us to turn towards life? Would you resurrect our souls in the process? Lord, help us, help us have a momentum of chasing you. Help us take steps of obedience and faith towards you. Uh, even beginning this morning, uh, ever how small, Lord, would you help Carpenter's Way Be faithful to what you're calling us to. Lord, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.